Hello, fellow law nerds. Welcome to another episode of Boom Lawyered, a Rewired.news podcast hosted by the legal journalism team that is excelling at social distancing. I'm Imani Gandhi. And I'm Jess Piclo. Rewired.news is dedicated to bringing you the best reproductive rights and social justice news, commentary, and analysis on the web. And the Team Legal Podcast is part of that mission. So a big thanks to our subscribers and a welcome to our new listeners. So Jess... I'm a stay-at-home kind of person. It is known in the words of the Dothraki. So I have no problem staying home, especially if doing so means I'm not spreading the Rona or contracting the Rona from infected people. I mean, staying at home is pretty easy. It is, but apparently people don't get it. There's even a website called (laughs) staythefuckhome.com that encourages people to, well stay the fuck home that's amazing my first response to that was get out which like no don't stay the fuck home (laughs) i mean i'm sure as hell staying the fuck home listen i've been staying the fuck home since before you were born wait amani i'm older than you no (laughs) yeah it's a minor detail and only by three months the point is during this outbreak it is critical that people stay home but people aren't doing it last week I saw a video on Twitter posted by some spring breakers in Florida. And do you know what they were doing? Mm, I'm pretty sure I don't want to know what they were doing. Do I want to know? I don't think I do. Probably not, but I'm going to tell you anyway. All right. There were a group of college aides kids who were, and I shit you not, drinking beer from one another's butt cracks. I'm sorry, what? No. <laughs> you heard me. I saw people with their faces smushed up against other people's asses drinking beer as it slid down that person's ass crack. Well, that's enough for the podcast today, folks. I'm going to go see you all on the tubes. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait, we got to do a show. We got to do a show. I don't know. I don't know, Imani. I'm not doing a show that leads off with people drinking beer from other people's ass cracks. During a coronavirus pandemic, that's just, nope, sorry. See you on the tubes. (laughs) Okay. Okay, we can see our listeners on the tubes. But first, we should talk about how anti-choicers are handling these stay-at-home orders. They're not drinking beer out of each other's butt cracks, are they? Not as far as I can tell. Small victories. Hey, silver linings. (laughs) But anti-choice protesters are defying stay-at-home orders in states like North Carolina, California, and Michigan so that they can continue their campaign of clinic harassment. In fact, clinic protesters were so flagrantly ignoring these stay-at-home orders by congregating outside of abortion clinics that cops actually started arresting people. And because the anti-choice community is nothing if not litigious, those arrests resulted in, you guessed it, lawsuits. Lawsuits. In response to being arrested for violating stay-at-home orders, protesters in both North Carolina and Michigan have filed lawsuits arguing that those orders violate their religious rights and their free speech rights. And get this. Not only are they claiming these arrests are First Amendment violations, I mean, we expect that, right? Mm -hmm, Some mm -hmm. protesters are even claiming that they are performing an essential service by protesting clinics. They say those protests are actually protected by the stay-at-home orders. 
And it's not just some quack like anti-choice protester making that claim either. It's one of the most prominent anti-choice law firms in the country. They're out there floating this legal theory as well. And that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. Is protesting an abortion clinic during a global pandemic performing a, quote, essential service? Of course it's fucking not. So we're going to lay waste to that claim and others that anti-choicers are making to defend putting the public at risk by continuing to protest abortion clinics during the coronavirus pandemic. Okay, Amani, I really just can't wrap my head around this idea that protesting an abortion clinic is some kind of essential service that must go on while damn near everything else is closed. Can we start there? I mean... I have a question. What the fuck is going on? That is a really good question. And here's (laughs) what we know so far. Nearly every state in this country is currently under a local stay-at-home order as governments try and slow the spread of the coronavirus. And while reasonable people like you, me, and our boom-lawyered family of law nerds take these orders very seriously, there are some anti-choice numpties out there that have different ideas. They think those orders don't apply to them. It's really that simple. Let's take a look at North Carolina, for example. Protesters in North Carolina, in conjunction with an anti-abortion group called Love Life, have been relentless in protesting clinics in Charlotte, in Greensboro, and in the Raleigh-Durham area long before the Rona hit. And they show no signs of slowing down now that the Rona has hit. They have been gathering in large groups, holding hands while they pray, little infected, grumpy hands, They've been leaning into patients' cars as they try to find parking at a clinic, and in one instance, threatened a clinic escort volunteer by coughing in his face. Oh my God. Now, I'm not a scientist, but that sounds like a recipe for a coronavirus outbreak. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Kelsey McLean, who is a leader with the Triangle Abortion Access Coalition, wrote a piece for Rewire.News about the protest that she witnessed back in the middle of March. And as a volunteer, was trying to help patients find parking because what happens in these situations is that protesters will often block the entrances to parking lots in order to try to force pamphlets into their cars and lean into their cars to yell at them. So while there was a volunteer who was trying to make sure that people could find a place to park, a protester walked up to this volunteer, coughed in his face and said something like, I sure hope I'm not sick. Oh, my God. What a jackass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely a jackass. And what's worse is this volunteer was high risk. He was in his 60s or 70s. (sighs) Yeah, so I guess that trying to kill off old people during this coronavirus epidemic isn't just for people like Dan Patrick. And Dan Patrick, for those of you who don't know, is Texas's lieutenant governor. He's the guy who said that old people would be happy to just die if it meant the economy wouldn't go tits up. To which I say, okay, first you, jackass. (laughs) Seriously. Good Lord. So on March 27th, Guilford County, which is where Greensboro is located, issued a stay-at-home order. That order was amended on March 30th, but it basically contains the same provisions as the March 27th order, but the March 30th order added an exemption designating, quote, religious facilities, entities, groups, and gatherings as essential business or operations. Ooh, so let me guess. They're saying that harassing people in front of clinics is a religious gathering. Pretty much. They're just marching up and down public sidewalks praying. That's all they're doing. Mm, And they believe that they should be permitted to, (sighs) quote, 
walk and pray outside abortion clinics because doing so presents a visible demonstration of their deeply held religious conviction that innocent lives are being ended inside and that there exists an urgent need to intercede both for the unborn and for the confused and hurting mothers who often feel they have no other choice but to abort. That's all they're doing. Little plump grandmas just holding their rosary beads or crosses or whatever and praying. Praying, Imani. Because we all know that's what happens at these protests. Prayer. She said sarcastically. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Oh, my God. So the order prohibits public and private gatherings of more than 10 people. It also designates certain businesses as essential others as non-essential, and orders all non-essential businesses to close. This order permits individuals to leave their home for outdoor activities, which include things like walking, hiking, cycling, running, all the shit that you like to do. (laughs) (laughs) And all the shit that I hate to do. And these are things that are categorized as essential activities, as long as they comply with social distancing requirements. And those social distancing requirements include maintaining a six-foot distance from other people, washing hands with soap and water for 20 seconds, which I'm just really glad people are finally starting to wash their hands in all of this. Let me say that was apparently a problem. I'm glad we're remedying. Covering coughs or sneezes and not shaking hands, right? Like those are the general social distancing uh, norms and procedures we've agreed on. Absolutely. And so guess what happened next? Um, I'm going with everybody went home and decided to stay indoors and follow the stay at home order. That's my guess. Oh, you're so cute when you're naive. No, that's not what happened. (laughs) That's not what happened at all. They kept right on protesting, which led to the arrest of a group of protesters on March 28th outside a woman's choice clinic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Okay, well, I bet after they were arrested, they went home and thought better of running up on pregnant people, right? And and spreading the virus. Like, it gave them a chance to reflect. Uh, No, 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 not at all. (laughs) More people protested on March 30th, two days later, and more people were arrested. And then they went home? Again, no, no, not at all. The Thomas More Society got involved and filed a lawsuit on behalf of a handful of these anti-choice protesters who were arrested. Oh, good grief, the Thomas More Society. Okay, so they are a conservative litigation firm out of the Chicago suburbs that specializes in representing anti-choicers. Right. They're some of David DeLayden's lawyers, right? We remember mm-hmm. David DeLayden, the, oh, my God, Planned Parenthood is selling baby heads on the black market for pennies <laughs> on the dollar. That guy. <laughs> baby heads, baby heads, no. get your up, ba- baby heads. <laughs> when this is all over, we're opening a baby head food truck of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, folks, we've lost our minds. But those, no, that's exactly, that's the Thomas More Society. They represent clinic protesters usually, and they've been encouraging protesters to continue protesting clinics despite these stay-at-home orders. That's because the lawyers at the Thomas More Society think that harassing abortion providers and their patients is a, quote, essential business that can stay open under these stay-at-home orders. Which is a totally bonkers argument to make. They claim they are connecting patients to reproductive health care by trying to block their access to it. Now, I actually sat in on the strategy call that they held, and I wrote about it at Rewire.News. 
These folks even said on that call that the clinic protests were going to continue in part to thank President Trump for all those judges hell bent on overturning Roe versus Wade that he's appointed. So they're actually out there protesting as a thanks. Gee whiz, that's fantastic. In the North Carolina lawsuit that the Thomas More Society filed on behalf of these protesters, they claim that the order violates their First Amendment rights to free speech and the free exercise of religion. They're claiming that they've been prohibited from engaging in speech or other expressive activities in traditional public fora. That's plural for forum. Ha 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 ha. Ooh, solely, <laughs> based solely upon the pro-life content and the viewpoint of their speech. They're also alleging that there's no compelling, substantial, or even legitimate interest that justifies the restrictions on these protesters' speech, since they say they're complying with social distancing requirements. But are they, though? I mean, are they? Are they complying with social distancing requirements? No, Jess. No, they're not. I had a DM exchange on Twitter with Calla Hales. Now, she's the executive director of a preferred women's health clinic in Charlotte, North Carolina, and she's kind of a badass, and we interact We interact. A lot on Twitter with her. And she's lo- frequently complaining about the fact that there are always protesters that are just haranguing her and her patients. And she says that these ongoing protests have been a public health nightmare. She told me, quote, they are still not observing social distancing despite their claims. I've seen them demarcate six feet, but then move around and approach patients by leaning into cars and handing out pamphlets. And she showed me some photos that she had taken of protesters. They're just literally leaning inside people's cars to try and hand them disease-ridden papers and pamphlets and to harangue them with their coronavirus-laden spittle just in their cars, in their faces. And I mean, we talked about this in our last episode, right? When you're pregnant, you're already immunocompromised, right? You're immunosuppressed to some degree. So this idea of spreading coronavirus germs over a person who's already immunosuppressed, like, that's terrible. That is not a good idea. No, it's not. And she also told me that even after these people were arrested on March 28th, that there were more protesters this past Saturday on the 4th, and that they're planning to protest this weekend on the 11th. And if any of our listeners want to have a sense of what these protests looks like, we actually have some old footage of this. Um, a, a while back, we did a, a video documentary called Care and Chaos, and Cal's Clinic is actually featured in it. And you get to see just the like sea of humanity that descends on this clinic. And the idea that that kind of activity is still going on right now is really just terrifying. And it's also happening in other places, right? Like Michigan. There, protesters are generally being jerks and getting in patients' faces also, except the lawsuit that's been filed in Michigan adds an equal protection claim. So in addition to arguing the same First Amendment stuff um, that's happening in North Carolina, these folks are saying that it's unfair that people are allowed to go outside and exercise, but they can't go out in front of clinics and continue to be an asshole, right? So like, I can go for a trail run. That's unfair that they can't then go protest clinics because those are clearly the same activities. Right, exactly. So where does all of this leave us, Jess? We've got states like Texas using COVID-19 to try and ban abortion by claiming it's not an essential medical service. We have anti-choicers claiming that protesting clinics is an essential service. So... Are we really living in a world where during a health crisis of this magnitude, someone can't get an abortion, but they sure as hell can go protest an abortion clinic? Is it possible that performing an abortion isn't considered essential, but protesting one is? 
I mean, yeah, that's kind of what the anti-choice movement is pushing for. And it's scary to think they're having some success. So the Fifth Circuit just handed down a decision that effectively says states can use the coronavirus outbreak to suspend abortion rights, perhaps indefinitely. And states like Ohio and Alabama have also tried this trick. But fortunately, lower courts blocked those efforts. But unfortunately and naturally, conservatives Mm -hmm. appealed And with the Fifth Circuit decision, it's entirely possible that these freshly Trumpified courts will let more of these orders take effect. And the impact of that is terrifying, because if they do, conservatives will have de facto banned abortion without the Supreme Court having to reverse Roe versus Wade at all. And I I also I just can't help but wonder, you know, sex in the city style, like as I looked out the window, I couldn't help but wonder (laughs) Are conservatives actually pretty jazzed about this pandemic? Because Mm. it seems to me that they've been able to get away with a lot of crap that they otherwise wouldn't have been allowed to get away with. Specifically, banning abortion in Texas and forcing people to travel upwards of 800 miles to get an abortion. All the while spreading the Rona hither and yon willy nilly. Like I just I feel like there are anti-choicers out there who feel like this pandemic is some sort of sign from God that they're on the right right path when it comes to protesting clinics. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Yeah, no, I think that I think that's legitimate. And I wish our listeners could have seen your like Gumby arms doing the spreading the coronavirus <laughs> hither and yon. That was <laughs> I was like one of those things outside of a car dealership. <laughs> totally. you know? like- <laughs> hey, we're all getting our movement in as we can. Right. Like <laughs> under house arrest. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the, I, th- I uh, think you make a good point. They're really actually exploiting it. And, you know, this really tees up the opportunity for John Roberts. Like, they're doing his dirty work for him. He doesn't even have yeah. to issue a ruling striking down Roe versus Wade. Texas, Oklahoma, these other states, they're just going to go ahead and do it. It, it. it just seems to me that once the coronavirus pandemic is over, if it's ever over, that these anti-choicers, these anti-choice lawmakers are going to use these temporary bans and morph them into permanent bans. Because once something is already banned, it's easier to keep it banned. Yeah. It's much harder to unban something that's already been banned. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just gave myself a headache. Uh, and on that note, I think the whole we got to end the episode thing that you were going with earlier, <laughs> I think we should just, just, let's just corral that in right now and say if you... Want to donate to us? Eh? Eh? Give us money. I know these are h- tough times for a lot of people with people out of work and people using the disposable income they have to help other people who are out of work. But if you enjoy this podcast and if you have a little bit of disposable income, we would love your support to keep it going. If you can, please throw us a couple bucks. It'll only take a second and every dollar really does count. The link is rewire.news slash boom give. That's rewire.news slash B-O-O-M-G-I-V-E. And it's also in the show notes in your app. Woohoo! So if you would like to talk to us about any of this stuff or any other stuff, including, I don't know, what you're binge watching on Netflix while you stay at home between now and the year 2030, please hit us up on Twitter. You can find me at Angry Black Lady. You can find Jess at Hegemommy, H-E-G-E-M-O-M-M-Y. And I like how Jess was doing a little shoulder shimmy while I was spelling out her name. And if you'd like to... I don't know, convene with us on Facebook, perhaps. You should join our Facebook group, Boom Lawyered. Answer the questions. We are going to change them at some point. We really are. But just say something in there that lets us know that you're not some sort of anti-choice jackass and that you're just there to just sort of bask in the pro-choice, repro-justice and rights love. 
It's fantastic. And aside from that, Jess, now you get to say it. What are we going to do? We'll see you on the tubes, folks. <laughs> we'll see you on the tubes, folks. Boom Lawyered is created and hosted by Jessica Mason Piclo and Imani Gandhi. Mark Folletti produces the show. 